0: Good morning again, welcome everyone online, welcome everybody here, good to see everyone. Um, When you're a parent, uh, one of the things that you end up accumulating a lot of and learning a lot about is toys. Uh, And even when we have all these screens, which, you know, I'll admit probably use too much, uh, but still, at the end of the day, the actual physical toy still seems to have almost a better appeal, right? You know, you get to a point where you even get done with the phone and you put it down, and that's when you want to go and build something or make something. Uh, And every generation that comes along, the toys change, right? And every generation, as the toys change, they kind of become more, can you say, electronicized, digitalized, computerized. Are those words but that's what happens to them, right? They, they seem to be trying to figure out how to jam more and more circuit boards into your toys. So, you know, what used to be just a truck now is a truck that has a siren, and it automatically drives, and I haven't gotten one that raises the fire truck ladder yet, but I'm sure it's out there, right? And you, you can get it, or, you know, even as something like the dolls, you know, we all remember the Ancient, uh, the old school dolls looked like they were porcelain, right? You had a porcelain face, and then you had kind of like a a wood or a porcelain body covered it. Um, now you can get, I mean, and they've had these since the '80s, right? You can get a doll that'll uh, talk, uh, it'll make noise, it'll even perform various bodily functions. If you put water in one end, and you can actually have the thrill and excitement of changing a diaper. I'm always kind of like, you know, if somebody wants that thrill and that excitement, there's usually some young parents out there more than happy to uh, uh, help train you in the real thing. Um, but this is what kind of happens, right? I mean, I remember, I remember I had this mechanical dog uh, and it was, you know, so it's late 70s technology. So this was, this was cutting edge stuff. And uh, it, would, it had kind of a bark that it would do and, and its legs would move. And, but it was raw, it was raw mechanical, it just, they didn't bend, right, and so it just sort of shuffled along the floor. So one side would pull it forward, and it would bark, and I remember, I remember that dog being quite impressed with it. Um, I don't remember playing with it as much as some of my other toys, because what do you do with something that's mechanized? You watch it, right? You don't build or make with it, you watch it, but, um, and I remember what happened to it in the end. Uh, and so, but this is what happens, right? You see more and more, you know, circuit boards and things get jammed into your, uh, get jammed into your toys. Um, my, 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 my boys have these, these little bears, these teddy bears. They're green. Uh, and just kind of a cute green teddy bear, about, about this big. And um, you know which one I'm talking about, right, Tobias? No, oh, you, you, you totally do. Um, I'll go home and show it to you. You haven't played with it for a little bit because you're getting older, but about this big um it's a, it's a cute little teddy bear it talks uh it sings it even has stories built in it'll tell you stories uh it'll it'll do lullabies and play sleeping music it's got this kind of soft digital sleepy music oh it's a dog okay. i've had these things for how many years okay unwind my kids have this little dog and it's green and um and it does, and it's got all these things, and you can customize it. You can customize it by uh, if, if they're not yeah, make sure if they're little they're not watching. You pull the back off, and then you can plug it in with a USB into your computer, and you go to the website, and you can customize. You put put in your kid's name, you put in their favorite food, you can put in their favorite color. I don't know if there's other. You put in these personal details, and so then the the dog uh, learns. Uh, adapts this to the songs, and so it'll sing along. Me and my friend, Billy Bob, you know, like to go eating oranges, you know. The voice that they put in isn't quite the same, but they'll personalize it, customize this. Um, And what really kind of got my heartstrings pulling as I was uh, listening to the thing is, you know, it sings along, and you can squeeze it, and you'll squeeze it, and at one point it'll go, I love you, and then it'll put the kid's name in there. And then I stopped, and I kind of went, whoa. You know, the first time I heard that, I thought it was maybe almost a little creepy. Like, you know, and I was, I was worried it would turn on in the middle of the night and say that, you know? Um, it didn't. I, I did have a different toy that would do that in the middle of the night and go, hello. And finally, that toy got moved to the garage really fast. Um, But, uh, and I I thought to myself, I mean, this is, this is, is this right? You know, I mean, to have this sweet little voice and, and, and sit there and, and for a machine to tell a kid it loves it, you know, it kind of hit me here. I mean, how, how how can a machine do that? Isn't this messing with kids' heads? I mean, you tell me love, kids take that stuff seriously, you know, that's words they want to hear. You don't just throw that around, uh, you know, willy nilly. If you don't, I mean, and don't the kids know it's just a machine? Are we going to be fooling the little ones into thinking that it's alive? I mean, it has no heart. It has no feelings. How can it love? It's just a, you know, a, a, it's fuzz, It's felt with a circuit board and two C batteries. But then I stopped and I started to wonder. Does it really matter? Just can follow the, the thought train. Does it really matter? Does it matter if this little toy dog doesn't actually feel like you or I feel? I mean, think about it. It's a good friend. If you're a kid, this is this this little talking dog's a good friend. I mean, think about it. It listens when you talk for as long as you want to talk. It listens to whatever you have to say. It listens when, when even when, you know, nobody else understands what you're doing or you're going on and on about your latest idea. It doesn't try to correct you. It doesn't tell you your ideas are stupid. It never says mean things. It will always play with you in whatever game you're doing. And it doesn't ever tell you, mm-hmm. we don't do that anymore, that's not cool. Mm. You know, so if you want to do a tea party with monsters and monster trucks, it won't, say, it won't say that's wrong. It'll just sit at your tea party, play along, sing its music, tell you the stories about the pirate ship it did or something like that. It never refuses to play with you because of how you look. It's never mean if you have a disability. It goes along with you wherever you want. and It hangs out in your fort or your bed or your car seat. It stays there with you at night. It sings you songs and tells you stories when everybody else is too busy. It comforts you when you want to go to sleep and reassures you that it's there. I sit and think, wow, little dog's a good friend. And then I think about all the kids who don't get that. The makers of this toy figured out, you know, what is it? Well, what is it that's really lacking, you know? Parents, family, to sit there and sing a lullaby at night, you know? Friends that are just friends that aren't mean. How many people have that? How many kids grow up with that, you know? How how many kids get a story at night in a lullaby? I'll admit, I don't do it every night, you know? How many kids have friends that go with them on every adventure? And how many kids have people who tell them they're loved? I mean, isn't this mechanical dog a better friend than a lot of what we have? And if it does all those things, if it does all those wonderful loving things, does it matter that it doesn't have neurons in its brain that are firing love firings? I mean, if it does the action, does it matter what's in the heart? Or if it doesn't have one? I mean, there's been dozens, right, of sci-fi movies that have gone down this path, that that have gone down this road of, you know, can a robot love, can a machine have feelings? You know, they started with that great sci-fi thriller in 1938 called Wizard of Oz. Remember that? What did the tin man want? A heart. And did it, and what was the point? Did it matter that he didn't have a biological thing going, thump, 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 thump? No. Because in every other way, he, he, he acted as somebody who was caring, right? And, and they've gone down this thing. But what's interesting is in all those scenarios, it, uh, they all seem to bring out something that we all kind of know, but maybe we don't acknowledge, um, which is that love is more than just a feeling. Or maybe love isn't really even a feeling at all. That things like love and caring and compassion that they're, they're not things that are only in your heart. they're things in our actions. Think of another scenario. Think of another scenario, more adult scenario. You go off to Vegas. Your sp- say your spouse goes off to Vegas with some friends. and uh, it's just supposed to be a fun, you know, boys, girls Vegas weekend. And they go off there, and what do they do? Well, One night, they end up at one of those trendy clubs. I can't name them. I have no idea what the trendy clubs are. Um, And they go there go to the club, and the disco's thumping. And the DJ's there, and the music's going, and it's blaring, and the lights are going, and the glow sticks are free, and everyone's waving their glow sticks, and the oxy's getting handed around on the dance floor, and everybody's thumping, 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 and they're hot, and they're sweating, and next thing you know... Your spouse is dancing with somebody, doesn't know their name, little sticks are thumping and they end up dancing all the way back to the hotel room and end up doing something they vowed not to do at the wedding. And wake up, pack up the stuff and say, hey, you know, what happens in Vegas, right? I'll just go home. I'll tell the husband. I'll tell the wife. I was watching Penn and Teller and Celine Dion. And then one day, you get a text. It's your buddy Bill. Should I make it Bill from accounting? Bill from accounting. Turns out he was at the club too. You didn't think he did, and he had a cell phone. And he happened to be in that same hotel. And he's got. And now on your screen is a picture. Of your spouse with some random person walking into the hotel room without a lot of physical distancing. And you go back and you confront them, and what's the response? What's the stock response you always get when they see the picture? It didn't mean anything. It was just physical. I don't even remember I don't even remember her name. She said something like "Jadesman or something. Like that's her real name, and and you they, and and they and and you're supposed to say and you they're hoping that when they say there's no emotional connection, they'll say something like I, I don't I don't ha- love that person, I don't have that stranger in my heart, and they're hoping that the that the not in my heart will be a get out of jail free card. The no emotional connection. But what you promised at your wedding was not just that you would that that, that you would not have uh, that you would only have emotional connection with this person. You promised to you promised to love and you promised to be faithful. And that's why most of the time we don't buy that excuse. Because we know that what you do with your body is indicative of what's in your heart and sometimes And part of me could care, I don't really care. I could care less what was in your, what what emotional state you were in on Friday. I cared what you did in that hotel room. And it hurts. Your actions show your love and your caring. Sometimes it doesn't matter what's in your heart. And this this is an issue for believers. This is a faith issue, too, because we've had centuries of people trying to use the in-your-heart card to get out of doing what we know we should be doing because it's too hard or we don't want to make the sacrifice, you know? If I'm out there on the street and I'm freezing cold, you know, and, and I run into you, you know, you want to show me you're caring? Give me a blanket or a hotel room or a, you know, at least give me a ride to the shelter. Don't sit there and go, ah. I care and feel a lot for you in my heart. I think the answer would be some version of, the heart don't keep me warm, and it don't pay my bills, and it don't give me food, you know? You need to care with what you do, right? But that kind of caring, of course, is hard. We know this. It takes time. It takes money. The needs of the world are almost insurmountable. It's always overwhelming. It gets easy to just shut down and say, I can't process it. Right? And, and besides, you know, what's in my heart, I can always say I got love in my heart because there's no way to disprove it. You know, I still haven't perfected the heart o I, I still want to have a heart o So when somebody says, you know, I, you know, I may not have been a church pastor, but I got Jesus in my heart, and I could turn on the heart o and go, the test results are back, and they say, that is a lie. You don't care at all. No, no, I swear. no, right? But you can't prove it. There is no heartometer. Heartometer doesn't exist. You can't prove it. So it's easy to say it is a can be a get out of jail free card, right? And isn't this a lot of religion today? You know, you hear that phrase, "I have Jesus in my heart," which is interesting because Jesus Himself, if you go through the Gospels, never says the phrase, "Take me in your heart." The phrase Jesus in your heart, in those words, aren't in the New Testament, you know? And how many times we run into people who say they got Jesus in their heart, but they don't seem to have Jesus on their steering wheel. Or or how many times have you run into even a church, you know, that talks about, you know, what kind of church are you? Oh, we're, we're, we're a friendly, caring church, you know? And, and then the new person sits there and watches as all the existing members on each side say, hey, you want to go to lunch? Yeah, I'd love to go to lunch. Where do you want to go to lunch? Let's go to Jerry's for lunch. No, let's go to Cracker Barrel for lunch. And you're sitting there in the middle going, oh, wow, friendly, caring church, huh? And uh, they don't realize it because they're being friendly and caring with their friends. We all do it. We all fall into it. It's, a, it's, 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 it's just human nature, right? But listen to James. Listen to James here in the book of James. Now, The book of James, I don't preach on it every week because James kind of lays it on heavy. It's the nature of the book. you know. If it was just James all the time, it would feel like, oh, man. But he's a good corrective. He says, starting at chapter 1, verse 22, "...be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they're like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away." Forget what they were like, but those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. The hearer only looks at himself and sees a caring person, or if they see something not so caring, they forget, choose to forget about it when they go. Right? But the idea is, it's about it's about the image about my ego, about make, protecting how I feel about myself, right? And of course, we never imagine ourselves as the bad guy, right? But the doer, it says, according to James, the doer looks into God's expectations and, 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 and dives into that. So what you look to yourself, isn't ma- it doesn't matter. What you, how you see yourself is not the issue here, you know? The in-your-heart stuff, can become a way of protecting my own self-image. And then, of course, comes that great line in verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this. To care for orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. You want to know what pure Christianity looks like? It's caring for the widow and the orphan. That's that stock phrase that's all over the Bible, all the way back into the New Testament. gets used a million times. It's not a new command that James is saying. And he picks these two groups. The Bible picks those groups, not because they're the only people you should care about, but because they're representative of two groups in society that are in a social position at that time of not being able to take care of themselves and being at other people's mercy. And so I don't think James means only care for widows. Oh, I know that widower is really poor, but I don't have to care about you. That isn't what he's saying, right? But true religion, he's saying, true religion is shown in the actions that you do for those who cannot do for themselves. It's not just what's in your heart, it is in what's in your time and your wallet because what's in your heart won't put food on the table or shelter an Afghan refugee trying to run from the Taliban. And I can tell you that I'm freezing outside, and if you hand me that blanket and that reservation, I frankly could probably care less what emotional state you're in. I'm happy for the blanket and the hotel reservation, and I'm going to say God bless you and assume that you are a loving person, because it's what you did that seems to matter at that moment. And I get it, this isn't easy, right? And, you know, but it is what God's, God expects. And James is telling his church, and, and he's telling ours, he's telling all churches. that that we can't get away with trying to get away from the hard parts of faith because they're expensive and inconvenient and, and annoying and just use the, I got Jesus in my heart, and so that wipes it all out. True religion does not seek a way out of God's expectations, but true religion seeks to do more and live into it. And yes, it can be, kind of feeling heavy, and you can get kind of a guilt complex, And but I always figure it's a good thing if I feel guilty about it, because when I stop feeling guilty, that means I probably don't care. I know I should do more. I know the need of the world is great. And when I stop trying to look good to myself, and try to feel good to myself, then I can put that aside and just worry about what God is willing me to do, and to find myself there by diving into God's expectations. And in doing that, I will be a more loving person. Amen.